0: This is your coffee break. Hey friends, Sarah here. I am back again as usual this week. I have with me someone who I've really been looking forward to meeting and talking to for a really long time. This is someone who's been in the space for a long time and and it's a different space than I usually talk about. So Uh, Enough of me being cryptic. It's time for someone else to be cryptic. I'd love to introduce you to Raul Vega. Welcome to the show. Hi,
1: Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm so excited to have you here. I think I would like to start off with just a little bit about the work that you created, which is how I first um, sort of got introduced to you. And that is your work with the Rose Drive podcast. It's an audio drama. I would love to hear just in your own words um, a little bit about what the project is, and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Um, Well, again, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to, to... to chat with you and finally meet you in a way more than that's just Facebook chatting. Um, Yeah. uh, Rose drive. Uh, So it's a audio drama, a kind of modern neo-noir murder mystery of sorts um, that I started developing. I guess the idea came to me a couple of years ago and we just had the first I guess it's not just anymore, is it? Because we're getting close to August. We're almost hitting our year. Oh, my goodness.
0: Congrats!
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we uh, first episode launched August 2017. And um, it, it follows the story of a young man named Marcus Hill, who's returned to his hometown, his sleepy waterfront hometown of Southampton after being absent for 10 years, Um uh, And uh, he came home to kind of recharge after a rough year in New York and comes home to find that his parents are moving up to Oregon. So he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll have to get you guys all situated with packing and everything. Um, You know, goes around to the old haunts of town and learns that he just recently missed his 10-year high school reunion. Um, And at the reunion, there was another man named Forrest Sutherland who showed up and uh, Forrest... Had a huge impact on Marcus's life um, at, at one point, senior year of high school, and then disappeared. Um, and an impact in a way that wasn't very positive, <laughs> in mm. Marcus's opinion. So, um, I- in an effort to kind of uh, uh, close the door of some sorts, uh, Marcus is on a mission to try to find Forrest and uh, basically goes through his former classmates as a method of trying to find Forrest instead of just kind of going directly head on. So, it's, it's very much set up in a series of very intimate, personal interviews with each individual character, um, episode to episode, and, uh, and that's kind of how it starts. It starts taking some pretty interesting shifts and turns, as I'm sure you can attest to, Sarah. But uh, yeah, so uh, that's kind of where it is. It starts off pretty straightforward at least in the beginning. And then, like I said, it kind of you kind of go on some wacky adventures. So it's mystery, it's thriller, it's drama, it's comedy, it's kind of got a bunch of elements into it, um, which, you know, I'll kind of make up my own personality itself. So (laughs) yeah,
0: no, I and that's one of the things that really drew me to it, is that it is so many things, it mixes different genres, like you said, mystery, thriller, a little bit of maybe paranormal or sci fi. Right. Um, uh, it's very cryptic. It's very gripping. The other thing is just how many of those elements it brings together and how well it does that. Rose Drive is an audio drama. So many of you listen to Girl in Space, which is the audio drama that I work on. And there's just so much involved with audio drama creation. And that's why I kind of called it a project. Um, because there's just oh my gosh, there's there's music, there's acting, there's character development, there's writing, there's editing, there's all of these things that are involved. I'd love to hear a little bit about your process and just how you got into audio drama, what you love about it.
1: So above anything and everything, uh, I'm a composer. I'm a musician. I'm I'm a uh, audio music is my world. So. Strangely enough, this whole story, this whole project, which I just like you said before, I think that's a perfect way to put it because that's exactly what it is. You know, um, I'm, I'm very much I put a lot of we all put a lot of effort into our shows and there's so many more elements and, and, and uh, you know, road bumps that you don't realize you're going to hit until you start really putting the pieces together. I mean, it's 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 no different than making a film where, you know, there's an old saying uh, out here in L.A. of. You know, you don't make a movie once, you make it three times. Once when you write it, once when you <laughs> shoot it, and then again when you edit it. And I'm sure, Sarah, you can <laughs> – it's the same thing, right? It's like <laughs> yep. you, you have it in your mind, you write it out, and that's one thing. Then you give it to your actors. It's a whole other thing. And then when you edit it, it's a completely different kind of environment world. Yes. Um, so for me, it always starts with music. I tell my story through music. And – um you know, I, I I have these ideas for these characters and kind of the environment um, of the town. And it usually starts with me just kind of free writing and writing some kind of more textural ambient um, uh, tracks in the background. And I and I, 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 I kind of get my material from that. Mm. Um, it's weird. It's a really weird thing. I, I, I don't know too many people who work that way. Because, it, you know, honestly, um, here's Here's my truth. Uh, this is the first project I ever wrote. Like, I've never written any, you know, short stories besides being abducted by aliens when I was like 12 years old.
0: <laughs> I wrote a little short yeah, story. I, yes. just,
1: I just found that uh, not too long ago uh, when I was back home to my parents' house. I was like, oh, wow, I started writing young. But <laughs> it's explained so much. Um, but, you know, writing, writing the story was something that was necessary for me to do because this whole project started because I wanted something to write music to. It's pretty much where it started. I I didn't have any films that I was scoring at the time. um, And I was like, man, I just, I want to have something to write to. I need some platform to, to write a narrative. And, and this kind of just was the right time to do it. So I kind of jumped in and said, all right, I don't know what in the world I'm doing here, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it and, you know, try, try to make it work. So, so yeah, it's, it will always, always, always go back to the music. Um, and, and my characters are very, I, I, I try to look at the music as another character in the mm. project, you know, uh, as another actor, another, another person, you know, um, that's my comfort zone.
0: <laughs> I love that. Oh, and I love talking about comfort zones because I think for me and for probably the majority of listeners to this, our comfort zone is the writing. Our comfort mm-hmm. zone is this like very visible word structure, right? And so we come in with maybe a plot and some characters in our mind, And then if there is music, the music is involved in the input, the, the input part of the creative process. So, like, I listen to music, I get inspired, and then I produce writing. Or mm-hmm. if you're doing audio drama like I do, you know, you maybe do some music inspiration, uh, some reading inspiration, you write the words. And then I don't want to say the music fills in the gaps because it, it's more than that. And mm-hmm. um, I don't use music in my show. I use, like, ambient sounds. But it's the the soundscape is still like you said, a character, a crucial element. And it it tells a lot of the story because, you know, you don't have visuals to rely on. And so, um, but that it doesn't come first for me. And I'm so curious, I love getting into the heads of other creative people whose work I really admire. And you know, this is you today. And so, um, so, so what is it? What is it like to go through the creative process of music first? Because for me, you know, as a writer, it comes like, okay, you have an idea for some characters, and you start weaving them together, you maybe do an outline or write a scene. And like, that's how you structure it. But how do you structure it when you do music first? What does your process look like?
1: So, uh, it's actually maybe a good time to segue into what I do. Oh, yes. Uh, okay.
0: Yes. Let's, yes, yes. Please, please tell us a little bit about what you do as well. Oh, tell you a little bit about myself. All right. go. Who are you, by the way?
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just some random person in LA who's somehow surviving. Um, so I, I actually work in film music. I work on movie scores. Uh, I am a digital sample developer for film composer Hans Zimmer, um, who, most, most people know, I think, at this point. He's kind um, of a big deal. <laughs> so he's, uh, he, he was the composer on countless projects, uh, including The Lion King, all the Pirates of the Caribbean films, the Batman movies, Interstellar, Inception, uh, Kung Fu Panda films, and you know more recently was Dunkirk and Blade Runner 2049. Uh, and I've been working with him for about six years now. I make digital instruments for them. So my job is to record live sounds, live instruments, musicians playing their instrument and recording their essence, every Mm -hmm. method they play, every volume, every articulation several times, basically trying to capture their performance. So I can then deconstruct it in Pro Tools, edit it, clean it up, and then rebuild it into software that you can then manipulate and play with your MIDI controller, your keyboard. Uh, and that's, that's what I do. It's, it's a really interesting job. Um, something I just kind of was, I was very much lucky enough to get into because it's not something that I, you know, you don't go to school for something like that. It's right. like, oh. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I've been able to work on some pretty, pretty cool projects and be part of those, uh, those Elements of it. And and I try to describe it more like this. If you look at Hans as a painter, right? And his session is his canvas. He's a painter. He needs colors to paint with. And he comes up with the ideas for the colors. And we basically go on and mix the paint, give it back to him. And then he's he's all good to go. Um, So... I could say one thing that I've learned so much, one thing I've always known about him and his music and being a huge fan of his music is he is a storyteller in his music. There's always a story in every single bit of music that he writes. Uh, there's such there, I mean, there's such visuals that come with it when you listen to it. And that's always in every meeting and every conversation you have with him. He's always talking about the story and, um, You know that's one of the things in 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 my music I never really gave too much conscious thought to, but you know upon reflection and looking at past pieces, especially really bad ones, I'm like, wow, that's some really bad storytelling there. But you know now it's with words, I'm able to put this story into um, more of an appropriate setting. I feel because I have something to kind of build off of. Usually I will get a lot of my inspirations when I'm going on my runs. I like to run. I run several times a week. So I'm always on that nerd that's like jamming out to a bunch of random film scores. and <laughs> You know, I've got all these random things that are kind of playing in my head. And uh, uh, I, I, again, I'm listening to different composers and artists and and hearing how the structure of their um, their tracks and their songs are going. And I kind of the stories kind of start just formulating in my head it's a really weird thing Sarah it's not I'm not saying like wouldn't it be cool if you did this I'm literally on these runs and I'm just getting these visuals and you know like trying to trying to envision it like a film and that's Mm -hmm. usually where it starts and then you know then I'll run home and then run straight into my studio all (laughs) stinky and sweaty I should shower but I'm like I have to get this idea out so um yeah it's a weird way that like exercise has helped me you know, kind of get in my zone. Um, and, uh, so yeah, sometimes it's, 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 it'll be focused on a character. Sometimes it'll be focused on an idea, um, and, and always trying to incorporate these textural, um, mm-hmm. sounds and colors, um, to associate with whatever is happening in the scene or with the character and, and, you know, I'm not, uh, especially for this show, I'm not necessarily writing, you know, like, this is Marcus's theme, and this is Claire's theme, mm. this is Greg. You have p- parts of that, but it- it's more, like I was saying, like textural and more more based off of what's happening kind of in their current time. The score in this particular story is kind of mostly told from Marcus's perspective. So, you know, as you can tell, and, and I hope this doesn't ruin anything for any listeners who... Uh, maybe so inclined after listening to this to give rose drive a shot um it's it's not a happy go lucky romantic comedy series right it's pretty it's pretty serious um there are funny elements it's drama it's dark uh, but uh, you know most of these sounds and most of the colors in it uh while they are in that world they are coming from the perspective of marcus mm-hmm. so you know, things are a little bit more dark than they need to be. Things can be a little bit more dramatic than they need to be. There's a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a There's lot so of many feelings. feels, yes. <laughs> um, but it's all it's all kind of being told from his perspective. So the music reflects that a lot, I think. Um, and 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 even with the other characters, when you get into kind of their worlds, because we each you you get to know the characters for for a little bit before they actually meet up with him and. You know, all of their backgrounds, and you can even tell, like, music-wise, it's a lot different. Some are some really happy, some is really silly, you know, some some's more relaxed. But, uh, you know, then we go into Marcus's world where things start getting a little bit dark and eerie and ominous and <laughs> all that, so...
0: You talked a little bit about you get to know sort of each character um, really before they're drawn into Marcus's story. And so the structure of your episodes, you sort of have these vignettes at the beginning of each episode. And in general, each episode focuses on a different character, a different person that Marcus is going to be talking to. And that was one of my favorite things about listening to your show was... I didn't even know if I was listening to the right show. I was like, wait, who's this? Who's talking? What's going on? (laughs) The dialogue is so natural. and, And in being so natural, it really draws you in. So in the beginning of an episode, you'll have two characters who you haven't heard before. They're talking and you get so much of their story out of this little snippet of conversation that you hear before it dives sort of into the main narrated story. This is your first writing project, and this is really why I couldn't believe that this was your first writing project, (laughs) 12-year-old UFO abduction stories aside. um, (laughs) You captured people. You captured a natural – I don't even know how to describe it other than it being just very good natural dialogue, which is one of the most rare things in fiction and one of the most difficult things to achieve – Tell me a little bit about how you structured and, and wrote that dialogue, if it just came out naturally, if it was something you had to work at. Um, tell us a little bit about that process, because a lot of writers really, you achieve something uh, seemingly, not easily, but very naturally on your first try. And it's something that a lot of writers, I think, would love to learn from.
1: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot see this right now, but Sarah Warner has officially made me blush. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, wow. That's this the first. Jeez. Thank you. Uh, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Wow. That's this means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Really, really, really does. Um, you know, uh, it, the whole character vignette thing, which I'm really glad you brought up. I, I have character cards, right? So I have all these little separate documents where you have your character and. And and I knew I wanted to, this to be a very character-driven show. I have a lot of friends and family members in Los Angeles who are actors, professional actors, hustling and bustling in ways that I will never be able to have the courage to do. Because what they do and go out there and the level of intimidation and rejection, I mean, it, I, I just I, – I don't know how I could – one person could go into a room to essentially get a job interview – in a room with 10 people who look exactly like them going for the same job with the same credentials with the same i mean it's it's mind-blowing mm-hmm. um it's so i i have a pretty large cast we have roughly about 25 to 30 people because i don't like reusing the same voices i don't like having one person do multiple voices uh, i try to keep it as you know tv friendly as possible like if we did turn this into a visual platform you know Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Make a quick note
0: here? Yeah.
1: (laughs) We could have, you know, we could have people playing (laughs) their age and all that stuff. I don't have any, you know, 20-year-olds doing voices of 80-year-olds or vice versa. As far as the dialogue goes, I leave it a lot up to my actors when we get into um, the recording times. And then what I mean by that is I have everything scripted, I have everything written, and it's very hard, at least... On my end, writing casual dialogue because when it's scripted, it's scripted. So, usually, when I go in, and here's where I have to just take my hat off to my actors because they put so much care and attention into the characters. They come in, I mean, these are all professional. They come in, and I'm expecting them to just come in and kind of read lines. And they come in, and they have sides. Their scripts are all like, you know, have highlight and marks on it. What does this mean? What's the intention behind this? And they'll come at me, Sarah, with all these questions. Okay, cool. So, so, all right. So this is Cameron. All right. So what was his background like? How many siblings did he have? What did he grow up? Were his parents together? You know, all these, all these questions that I'm like, Oh wow, you guys are doing your research on this and it helps them find their footing. So while these are my words, they do bring these characters to life as I know as I know you do with with your show in a way that you never probably could have imagined because there's so there's a whole that whole other artistic element of what they do, and that's why they're involved in it that they bring to the table something completely different. Uh, so usually when I'm recording, uh, you know, I always tell them like, look, the lines are there. Um, I'm not this stickler about you have to stick to the lines and they have to be exactly what it is. What I want you to do. I want you to deliver the lines and say them in a way that makes sense for your character. So if there's something written there that doesn't sound right or doesn't sound like your character and you can tell me why, which Mm. they always can, please change it. Make it sound like you. Um, You know, one of my actors, you know, I, I was writing some stuff for her and she was recording and halfway through she's like, Vega we, we we got we got to go back on this line. Can we change this line or change this word? I'm like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "That just sounds like something you would say, mm. not Claire." And I'm like, "Oh, you're right." Boom. <laughs> 100% you're right. Yes, absolutely <laughs> let's change it. So, but that that's that's the level of detail, you know, you have to really get into and you know, for me it's that that's probably the next element as far as the writing goes. Is after the music, it's the characters. Mm. I try to I mean, their character bios go back and back and back and back and mm-hmm. back. And that helps me formulate who they are, what environment they would be in, who they're associated with, you know, um, what they're doing in their current life. Because that's that was the thing. I, I didn't want – I know there's a lot of characters in the show, which is why I wanted to make sure everybody kind of has their own, you know, episode where they can live in. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard when you're doing a show that doesn't have that visual – platform you know you're you're forced to be creative in ways that you never thought you would be which is an exciting thing but it also brings upon a lot of challenges mm-hmm. um so i wanted to give some perspective on who these people are so that when they do meet marcus when you do hear them you start off with them in their perfectly comfortable environment that they're used to you know like their day to day and then when they meet marcus it's like oh okay <laughs> Now things are starting to change. So you kind of get to see how they react in these situations. Um, I, I toy a lot with this internal monologue
0: Mm. audio really forces you to get away from two-dimensional characters in that i think we rely a lot on those visual cues we're like oh we define this person as how they look we define this person as you know she's wearing this like giant you know bow on her head and like that says something about the character um in audio you can't rely on a lot of those visual cues and it all has to come in through what we hear about the character and how they speak and I, i think it really forces us to add uh extra dimensions onto our characters. And I think that that really helps in in pushing the story forward. So I just wanted to say I think you do a great job of that. And for those of you out there who are maybe struggling with character development and saying like, all my characters sound like me, all my characters sound the same. Read the lines out loud, inject their personality to what they would say, make sure it's not you know what you would say. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. You mentioned uh, this sort of internal monologue that the main character Marcus sort of goes through. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. Um, and just to piggyback off of what you said before, because that's actually what I should have been talking about is no, I, I do. I do go. Cr- I, it's so funny. This is like, this is a whole nother level of crazy. I didn't know I was able to tap into. But when I am writing these characters, because I do write all of them, um, I find myself having arguments with myself because I'm sitting here having these conversations and they're all little slivers of me in one way mm. or another, but I am also trying to make sure, okay, yeah. How how do I make it sound like it's not, it's not me. And, and, you know, like I was saying, a lot of it does come to my actors, you know, who I'm all, I'm very close friends with all of them. So they all know you know kind of what's and and sometimes I made it awesome like hey can we change this can can you please write something here or just fix this a little bit because it's not it's sounding way too much like me um but it is something that you know it's it's it, I think exactly what you said is right because it's one thing to read it out loud you know in your head or read it out loud in your head like I'm already you know like you do <laughs> yeah like all the time yeah. um Uh, read it on the computer. But I I find it all comes out differently when you actually have a physical paper, you know, to actually hold something, it's a little bit more natural and organic. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's more things that will come up when your actors are actually like recording with you. So that's something I'm always trying to be conscious of. It's like, okay, how do I make sure it doesn't sound like me? But uh,
0: there's a piece that you have to make with knowing that like, yes, all of these characters are a little bit me. Like, you almost yeah. have to make your peace with that before you can say, okay, now let's, like, develop them further. So, yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that, yeah. One of the things I really wanted to explore with this is when you're watching a TV series, clearly I watch a lot of TV because I keep bringing up TV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's probably good for, for okay. the medium that you're in, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: you know, when you're watching a series or a movie or whatever, we... Naturally, believe the character, right? We believe what they say. If it's a guy, if a guy walks in, walks on screen, "Hi, I'm Jonathan," we have no reason to suspect he's not. You know, we just accept that that's who he right. is. That's his truth. That's what we see. As we get to know the character more, and say, if we're watching like a thriller or a mystery, and you know, uh, there's a conversation he's having with somebody that you're starting to kind of get the feeling of like, I don't know if Jonathan's a really cool cat or not. Like we don't know what's going on here. You know, a lot of that is based off of what we know of the person, what we know of his character, what we've learned from him or about him. And with this show, I wanted to kind of take it to that next level of again, kind of more showing rather like showing with audio versus having that visual platform saying, okay, well, every day in life when we're talking to people when we're having conversations we do have these little mini conversations in our mind and Mm -hmm. there's a filtration system that some of us are better at than others (laughs) you know where, where you know sometimes you're gonna you're probably gonna change how you respond or or react to things depending on who you're around the environment when you're talking to people right you you have this process where you are making sure that your response is going to be appropriate for that situation. Now, you have someone like Marcus, uh, who is this deep, heavy introvert, somebody who is not socially comfortable with people. Um, It's very difficult for him to have conversations with people, as you can kind of tell. He's very much somebody who prefers to listen rather than talk because Mm -hmm. he's comfortable that way. Uh, Which, you know, honestly, as social of a person as I am, I consider myself to be an extrovert of a person. I recharge as an introvert. Like, I'm not somebody who... You know, when I'm energetically exhausted, I need to be kind of alone in my yes. world and reset that way. Uh, but I love people. I love socializing. I love going to parties, hosting them, all that. Um, so and in, in this case for Marcus, who's trying to get to the bottom of the situation, you know, the best way is to is to actually listen. And so what you'll be having is you'll have this conversation with Marcus and and Alec or Neilani or Sarah or Greg or whomever he's speaking with. And as they're conversing, there will be moments where you'll actually get sucked into his mind and hear what he's really thinking in that situation, you know, whether he's believing them or not, or whether he's getting distracted. And we also do that with the other characters. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of jump into their mind too, during situations and say, okay, are they telling the truth or how are they, they're feeling really uncomfortable about this? Are they showing it? Are they not? Um, So it really starts getting you, I kind of look at it. If you look at I, I try to think of it from a camera perspective. So mm-hmm. it starts off with the camera a little bit out. So you see both characters, right? They're having a conversation. And then when we get to the moments where, you know, we're not really sure how they're, or we could learn how they're really feeling about the situation. We kind of jump into their mind for a second. You kind of sit in their boots for a little bit, and then you jump right back out to see how they're going to respond to each other. Um, so it raises all these kind of fun questions. So you're not forced to just believe what, I'm telling you to believe. You can actually kind of come up with your own theories and see. Okay, well, I don't know. I was, I was believing Ezra this entire time, and then we heard his head of him saying something else, and it's like, huh? Okay, now I don't really know kind of what to believe. And 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 you know, the whole point of this, especially with a character like Forrest, who Marcus is after, you hear all these stories about him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, what do you believe and what do you not believe? What character is telling the truth? How much of that truth? Is it their truth? Is it exaggerated? You know, all these opinions about somebody who has no means to defend themselves. So, you know, I I thought that was kind of a fun thing to do, too. It's like, what if we have someone who you don't really hear from, but you're hearing all about for episodes after episodes, and you're starting to have all these feelings and, and you know, reactions to somebody and like, you know, also thinking, are you really being fair? Because you haven't heard from them yet. So, you know, it's just something that, you know, I think we deal with every day all the time, you know, yeah. when we're it's mutual friends or celebrities or whoever we're talking about, you know, it's there's always you always feel like you know, somebody based on, you know, kind of what you hear or feel like, you know, you have some grounding, whether it's true or not, until you actually do meet them, then you're able to formulate your own opinion. But for the most of the time, you're kind of basing it off of, you know, what you've read or what you've heard. And, you know, it's, always a completely different story just like no different when you're having like a dispute with a friend and you at least this is what i I practice with my arguments like all the time in my car on the way to work in traffic and then when you actually have the conversation it always goes wildly different than you imagine yep and you're like kind of disappointed but also you're like okay this makes sense because in your own mind you're answering those questions for them you know and then when you talk to them in person you're like oh wait that's right you actually have your own opinions about this
0: yes It's one of the things that I think kept the show sounding so natural. And it's something that seriously, as a first time writer, um, and, I, and I don't want that to sound condescending, and I don't mean it to, but like, it's so hard to do because a lot of the time when you're writing a story, a lot of writers who maybe haven't been in the field for a long time, or who are maybe still kind of finding their footing, everyone is very um, straightforward. Having a naive narrator or a narrator who may be uh, not completely truthful is a very complex thing, and it's very hard to pull off, and it's something that you have to do intentionally, and it's not something that a lot of writers think to do, but again, it's something that we do every day, and it's it's right. something that is is natural, and it gets left out of writing so much that when you include it, you're like, that's why this feels so real, um, but you right. just have to be <laughs> intentional about including it, and so um, I, I'm just very like like what how is this your first project? Because you do it really well. I don't <laughs> thank I don't know. This is thank just you. so this show is basically gonna be me like shouting compliments at you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I mean it, I guess cool? I'll take it. Okay, yeah. okay. Good, I'm good. okay with that, good, yeah. Good, good, good. No. <laughs> you you've done something really cool. And it's already a complex story, even if you just look at the writing. But there's also elements of music There's elements of other actors, like we've talked about, there's all of these different elements coming together and creating this really beautiful, complex piece, which at the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you like where to go and listen to this. And I really, really hope that you listen to the show. It is, it's just a really gorgeous piece of work. A lot of what you've talked about so far is looking at writing and creating visually. We've talked a little bit about um, removing the visual element, but you also, when you talk, you talked about texture and color. You talked about um, where the camera's looking and how the camera's focusing on different characters. It sounds a little bit like, you know, using visual methods to tell a story that's only going to be told in audio, which I get because, you know, we're very, very sight-based creatures. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how Hans Zimmer builds stories audibly. And I would love to just understand a little bit for those of us who are used to working 100% visually. Um, who think about first and foremost what a character looks like before we even think about what they sound like. Um, what does it look like to what What does an audio story look like? Um, maybe for those of us who don't have a music theory background or any sort of musical background and can only imagine a story being once upon a time dot dot dot. What does a story even look like in purely musical or audio form?
1: I'll try to be as nonpretentious as possible. Okay, when I but
0: if this. if you are like we don't think you're pretentious <laughs> anyway, so you just go. But for I it. did.
1: Go, I did go to the Bob Cole Conservatory <laughs> of Music at California State University Long Beach. But whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's for for us for for audiophiles for musicians composers, uh, our words are sound. And it's finding which sounds work together and which ones don't, right? So that could mean instruments that could be found sound. And, and in this platform, specifically sound effects and sound design, um, creating that world with just those elements. And I always make sure that whatever sound bank I'm pulling from or recording myself, those will exist only in that seen in that room in that environment in that episode um mm. you know um uh, I'm, I'm very sensitive to that ear wise you know even a, and it's funny man because you'll see movies and and shows where they'll use stock sounds and some of them they use the classic you know truck going by the semi the new mm-hmm. new thing or the baby cry or the cat or whatever and i'm like these are Highly produced project. Why did you not just record this yourself? Like it blows my mind. Because um, to me, that's borrowing a character from another film, mm-hmm. from another movie, you know? Um, and, and, and it's something where in all the Facebook communities for audio drama, And I am not saying anything ill towards people who do like this. A lot of people do like to share sound effects and sound designs and I support that. Go for it. Where do you go to get sound? Well, we started this, this account and you guys can download from here and use this. And to me, you know, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. I'm really glad you guys are doing that, but those sounds are your characters and it's not, you don't, it's not the fact that you don't want to help. Of course, you always want to help, but you know, um, Unless there's a really strong reason to. I do believe, you know, you should make your own colors, your own textures. And and part of what my job is, the reason why I even have a job and you know, why why Hans does what he does is on top of being a brilliant composer and 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 mathematician and engineer and mm. scientist and inventor, I mean, he really is all these things. It's it's unbelievable. He's not just a guy that comes in and writes music. I mean, he is so methodical about everything. I mean, we'll go we'll go in and record for hours and do all these intricate instruments something very like these heavy heavy sounds for something he's just going to place very gently in the top left corner of one music cue for two seconds but without it peace isn't right Mm -hmm. Um, so it's understanding that there's a place for everything um, and one of the things that people really admire about his work again, beyond all those things is, is his colors, his sounds for every project. There's a new sound palette. There's a new group of colors, mm-hmm. right? If we're looking at 12 notes in the music language that we're more comfortable with the more tonal system of, of, of writing and, and, and music, um, you have to get creative with the voices that are singing those notes. So, my job is to find what those new environments are, those new textures. So for like Man of Steel, right? We did pedal steel guitars for Superman because it's very American sounding and it's very also kind of non-conventional. You're like, how in the world are you going to make these, you know, these kind of more country or Hawaiian-ish sounding instruments and use them in a way that they're not meant to be used and you use them as Superman's theme. Man of steel is a little cheeky, right? And that's, that's where it starts off with. It starts off with this kind of idea. Okay. Well, who's the character? Okay. So, well, instead of just writing this theme, what are some of the textures that make up this whole environment? So that's kind of where the storytelling comes in. It's the same, it's kind of the same methods I try to apply to my show, you know, um, especially when we start dipping into the more non-conventional elements that go beyond just the, the murder mystery, the conversational stuff. You start hearing these textures and these foreshadowings of kind of these electrical overlays and these you know, static uh, kind of weird textures, which may seem off-putting at first, and they are. They're supposed to be. One of the things that happens to Marcus a lot is he gets these terrible headaches. Um, and so I, I was trying to find a way, how do I create a sound that gives off that feeling of a headache without actually destroying my listeners' ears. So I, I didn't want to just, you know, have all this high frequency, because we all know what a headache feels like. We don't really need to <laughs> go through that necessarily in the right. same way. I'm like, so how can I, you know, give that, um, give that idea across with it sounding different, sounding unique, and very specific to Marcus? You know, the way he interprets headaches, the way his headaches function and work, you know, are a little bit more intense in ways than than the common person. And there's a reason for that, he said. Ellipsis. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Ooh. Go listen to the show. Yeah. Um, so those are my words. That's my language. Those are my letters, right? When I'm when you're typing up your words, you know, you know, Marcus walks into the room, I'm writing that with sound. It's weird. I, I don't actually I'm this is actually the first time I'm actually being I'm actually am articulating this so well, <laughs> this, is actually, this is really cool this is so great. thank you for asking that well, you're yeah welcome. So,
0: so. gosh and thank you for sharing that with us it's such a shift in thinking so both writing music writing words they're creative they're complex endeavors but it's just such a mind shift to go from one to the other. I had not even, until you said this, thought about what does a headache sound like? You know, mm-hmm. I think about like, how can I describe a headache? Oh, like ripples of pain or, you know, whatever. But like, like even thinking what does a headache sound like, it's such a mind shift. But it's, it's something that I think could enrich so many writers' lives if, if we start using our other senses. And I'm curious if somebody is even... Like, say someone who's listening to this, and this is very likely, is a writer who's maybe never thought about telling stories using sound. Like, where would one even begin to do that?
1: Easy. You start it the second you wake up. Right? I mean, your story's already happening the moment you wake up with the birds outside and, and you know, how sensitive your ears are to everything. Everything is magnified. By a thousand um you know and then there's adjustment period i actually wrote a whole piece of music on waking up in college a long time ago so it's funny we're kind of talking about that now but literally start with your environment start with wherever you are pay attention to i do a lot of people watching as creepy as it sounds <laughs> you
0: are, you're talking to writers okay we're like <laughs> okay, some yeah. of the creepiest people in existence so amazing. you're good amazing you're my
1: kind of people good <laughs> You know it's it's for me it's less about you know how do I make this cool sound and, and it's it, oh God, this is gonna sound so artsy, fartsy, but don't care sometimes the sound gravitates towards you and chooses you so to speak mm-hmm. uh, and that's how it is when I'm writing my music too right I mean I'll start with an idea and then it starts taking on a personality of its own and you kind of have to trust in it and just go with wherever it goes um trying to keep the ego from forcing it into a box that it doesn't fit in. Right. It's a completely different shape. Um, and, and that can be a very frustrating process because you're like, you have this idea of where you want it to go and it's just not working. And it's because you are trying to force something that is not supposed to exist in that world. And then sometimes that's when you just got to take a step back, go to sleep let the subconscious figure out the hard work so that when you wake up the next day, you can kind of come back at it clean. Um, at least that's that's how it is for for when I write music. But I can imagine it would translate in any any art form. So I really like tinkering around with sounds and I really like creating, uh, uh, you know, using nonconventional sounds as a means of of trying to convince you that this is what it would sound like so you know when you're getting into kind of like the Foley work and sound design aspect of it uh which is again that's also something I'd never done before I mean yeah. a little well, I bit with, tell. yeah <laughs> a, a little bit with my job when we do kind of more you know like interesting textural stuff that is going to be more sound design based but you know for example in the first episode marcus is asleep and when he wakes up his alarm's going off and he has to hit it off well i didn't have a sound effect for a turn alarm off right, type of thing right. and you know you you have one sound effects that the that's annoying beeping alarm and then you know there's somewhere hand on table or whatever but i was like okay i gotta find something that like has a little bit more impact uh so I was like looking around my household appliances and I have one of those like onion chopper the little like, tch, tch, tch. so I was like, okay, what if I mic this closely and just, tch, tch? and it worked enough to where it sounded like, okay, that does sound like somebody hit it. It didn't sound too cartoony. I don't think. And just random things like that. And then you start playing with sounds and you know, if you really want to get all technical and nerdy, you can jump into the plugins and start doing adding reverb and delay and pitch shifting and all that stuff too, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I just start with what is organic and comfortable and relevant Mm -hmm. to you and just, you know, try to try to get into that headspace of, you know, if you could describe what something feels like, what something looks like, what something tastes like in a way that is not practical, you know, you know, something that is essentially indescribable. If you could try to find a way to do it, that's, fun and and something you can learn with you know that's always what i'm interested in how can we learn from this Mm -hmm. and uh you know i i would say just if there's any even the smallest amount of intimidation just throw the intimidation out the window and have fun it's supposed to be fun so that's where i'm always at if i'm not having fun with this then why am i doing this you know this should be fun there's a lot of hard work that goes into it but there's it's there's it's got to be fun you know um so i will say this i don't believe in throwing in thousands of dollars into these programs and sound libraries. And I always tell people, because, you know, at my work, we have a lot of like, you know, runners and interns who will sit in with me and learn a little bit about sampling. And a lot of times they're just fresh out of college and they're wondering, how do you get into this? How do you get into sampling? I feel so far behind. And I'm like, look, I didn't come into this knowing anything. I still don't know anything. I'm really good at faking things, which is why I've been there for six years. (laughs) They haven't found me out yet. Uh, You know, but I didn't know the first thing about computers, about recording live sound, about editing, about Pro Tools, any of these programs. It was something you learned on the job and learned with having that interest in it. Um, So to anybody out there, if you're getting into sound or want to get into it, I empathize with... You know, feeling like out of place or like being feeling like intimidated by it. But don't let that stop you because we're all capable of it. And um, once you start getting into it and oh, what I was saying before, people think that what's going to make your product sound amazing is like spending all this money on this fancy schmancy. It's not. It's not. I would say work with what you have. You know, if you don't have an audio background, fine. Great. You know, what's a great resource? YouTube friends, talking to people. I'm not (laughs) kidding, man. I go to, I mean, it's so helpful, you know, it gives you something to start off of and then you can take these lessons that you watch in YouTube tutorials and find a way to make it more your own and your unique thing. And it's, people actually really like, I know as artists, right? uh, Like this is where I want to ask you, you know, if you were to go back and look at your first piece or first article you wrote versus something you did now, I mean, you would have so many criticisms of yourself over it, but The beautiful thing is that your fans love that. Your fans love reading and seeing where you came from. It it humanizes you, you know? And it's, you know, even now, looking from episode 15 back to episode one, I'm like, God, what was I thinking in episode one? There's all these changes, things I want to fix, and to the most recent thing that I recorded. But those are the things that really, you couldn't have got to step 15 without starting with one. And you learn
0: through it, right? Yeah. So embrace it. Do the work. Like no one ever just wants to see your penultimate work, right? We don't want just right. one painting from Picasso, right? We want to see, we want to see that evolution. We want to see so we can understand, you know, this artist as a person because that ultimately is what it's all about. It's about relationship. It's about um, seeing ourselves in a creator and understanding the creator and building our own ideas off of what they're expressing. And that's just so freaking beautiful. I love it. You talk about a love of learning, and I think that is. One of the most critical parts to being a person who is creative, it is continually growing and wanting to understand. And I think that's even where creativity comes from is, is this searching nature, um, and, and the need to act it out through acts of creation. What is one thing that you have learned, like during this process? Like, what's like one of the biggest takeaways that you've gotten from creating this show?
1: Just one, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or you know, many. We can. There are there
1: are several, but like you said, we're already, I I don't think we have a. I, I couldn't even s- spend a whole day talking about all the things I've learned. Um, it, it's, I've learned that I really, really, really love working with people. Hmm. <laughs> I've always known that, but I, you know, in in my world. A lot of what we do, we're kind of in our isolated mm-hmm. chambers. As for you, as a writer too, you're spent alone. You're alone a lot of the time. You're getting your ideas out. You're formulating them. You kind of do some back and forth with people, but for the most part, it's a, being a writer on any platform—be it music or literature or whatever—it can be a lonely gig. And 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 we can find we can be really comfortable in that. Um, but I have found so much joy through working with my actors and co-writers and photographer and, you know, sound design. I mean, so many people who've wanted to uh, work on the project and work on something together because as creatives, I do not know why this is, but we do have a tendency to think, well, I have to do this on my own or I have to do most of this on my own. I have to do this by myself because we're we're always in that, vibe, not realizing, uh, wait, if we're all kind of doing that and we're all working towards the same thing why wouldn't we work together that's the beauty of art it is collaboration and you the most beautiful things come from that right yes. and that's what this is well look at the end of the day I am the one who's writing all the words uh, you know developing the characters I do the engineering composing mixing editing sound design mastering all the audio stuff uh, it comes through me so for all of its successes and all of its failures rest on my shoulder um but it, you know, the truth is the best part of this whole process is working with people. I'm working with artists. And, you know, we've I've worked with some pretty established actors. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because even with them who I'm intimidated by, I'm like, I'm not a director. I've never directed like a film or any and but they come in wanting to give their best, their best performance. They've had years or an entire lifetime of professional working as an actor. And they, you know, coming to me hey coach did this line come out right how did this work and i'm like uh yeah of course it did you're brilliant <laughs> what do you want me to say here um but people really want to work together and and you know i th- yeah i think the thing that i've I've learned the most is just it's it's listening right listening on a whole different way it's, it's getting it's mm. it's it's trying to you know you have to relinquish control of so much and that's not a bad thing you know again that's something that i think sometimes we get a little too because we're especially when we're in our own world and we have control of our own of our own creative output and then when you start working with other people like oh wow this is taking on a whole new life some people are resistant to some people are resilient to i know other i know other directors you know in this in this world who who are who are very much like no i wrote the words for a reason you need to stick to that script Mm -hmm. and that's fine if that works for you and your cast go for it for me Personally, I I it doesn't always flow with me because there are times where, and I think also me being a new writer, I'm like I don't know I don't know what in the world I'm writing here. Just you you make it happen. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, so um, I I think uh, it's structure and all that is something I've been getting better at as I've gotten older. You know, just as far as organization, I mean that is key. If you want to get into audio drama, you have to be organized. I mean, you just especially at the speed that things you know. Kind of come up because for a twenty-minute episode, there's a lot that goes into it, um, and and if you're not even like the tiniest bit organized, at least in a way that makes sense for you, it can go all over the place, and that's happened to me before in the past. And learning to schedule and work around other people's schedules is a big thing too, right? Especially in a city like Los Angeles, where I'm on the west side, I'm near the beach, and every, a lot of the actors are either up in the valley, which is you know several miles north, and everywhere it takes twenty minutes in L.A. unless there's traffic. And guess what? There's,
0: There's always traffic. traffic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that's the thing I would say is learning to work with people um, and and always constantly trying to push my own personal knowledge of even in the engineering and sound design world. How do I make this next episode? How do I tell this story differently than the last episode? You know, not for novelty, but for interest, for the sake of pushing myself more. You know, Mm -hmm. this whole podcast is kind of like my portfolio, you know, of all the things I've kind of accumulated over the years and things I'm still learning. It's like, okay, well, if that's the case in the next one, the next episode should be something a little bit different. I want to push myself because we Uh don't want to hear the same thing told the same way. You know why? That's not that's not fun. That's not growing. That's not progressing. So
0: one of my favorite things about talking to you is that I think you have the right perspective about so many things. You're not creating something to showcase, right? You're creating something to have fun. You're creating something to grow and to learn and to listen and to form relationships with people. And I think that that is one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to your work. If people are interested in your work, where do they go? What do they do? Tell us all about the things.
1: Sure. So uh, Rose Drive podcast, we are on any podcast major and minor podcatcher you can find so apple Podcasts, stitcher overcast Pocket Cast, all those ones we're also on spotify um so you can look us up on there rose drive our social media instagram facebook twitter all at rose drive podcast or rose drive pod some variation of it you'll see it; it's the same logo and everything so um, good branding I've been told, yeah i've been told that's important yeah. <laughs> so people can easily find the show And if you go to the website at rosedrivepodcast.com, we have every episode listed um, there as well as opportunities for you to, to, to interact with, with Marcus and the community, share with us your fan theories, send us emails. um, You know, uh, that's the other thing too, is I wanted to make this interactive with the listeners, you know, like you can help shape the story. You can be part of it. You know, I don't want this. It, It gives you the opportunity to either, be a passive listener or an active listener where you know some people just want to sit back and listen to the story hey this is your job you do the work i want to listen cool other people are like no i want to be a part of it this gives you the opportunity to do it so feel free rose drive podcast.com um i will say this i i find it kind of silly that i have to say this but when you listen to it if you listen to it i'm being presumptuous here if you find the time to listen to rose drive um make sure you listen from episode one Onward. It is serialized yes. and some podcatchers like Overcast I think does at Spotify will automatically cascade from newest to oldest please listen from episode one it's all it's all labeled so that's I think that would be the best place to start because again otherwise you're going to be very lost
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh that that frustrates me too um I try to clearly label my shows but then there's always people like oh I started with the last one it's like no 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 that's like opening a book to the last chapter like please don't do that it's not going to make any sense it's going to be very frustrating for you it's going to be sad for me just start at the beginning (laughs) The best place to start (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know, the interactivity is just something I didn't even get to touch on today, but um it, it adds another layer of the complexity we were talking about earlier to the show is when you intentionally involve the listener, the reader, the the interested party, I think you even get an extra dimension there. But there will be links to or I'll show in the show notes for today's episode, Twitter, Instagram, all of those good places will get you the links to the show so that you can listen and I don't do this a lot, but I I do advocate you listening to this show just because so many things are so well done. If you want to hear good dialogue, if you want to hear a very well-structured story and and just a very naturally told story, I do recommend that you listen to this. Um, I feel like there's maybe a little bit of a it's it's not G-rated.
1: No, very good point to <laughs> make. No, this is not this is not for children. This is not a family necessarily friendly podcast. Yeah, there's definitely some language and even some 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 topics that we get into that are uh, kind of heavy and hard to listen to. Yes. So thank you for bringing that up. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, this is I'm not trying to scare anybody away, but just to prepare you. Yeah.
0: You know, maybe listen to it yourself. See if you think it would be a good fit for your family um, to sit and listen together. But regardless, uh, whether or not you listen to Rose Drive, Raul Vega is a wonderful, beautiful person. And I have loved talking with you so much. It's just such a treat to talk with you. So thank you so much for uh, gracing us with your presence today. This has been just a truly enjoyable conversation.
1: Thank you, Sarah. It was lovely, lovely to be here.